Amen. Amen.
like Jesus said in his wonderful word when the woman came and he said this woman's name will be in all eternity because her name is now written in the book well I'm going to put your name out there Sister Carter <laughs> and the reason why I want to put your name out there is when we was asking for our wish list and all of the wish lists that we got at the last minute, when I read yours, I said, now this is a true wish list. The things that you asked for was something that only we could just, I wish all of us would ask for, that God would do his mighty work and that the things weren't based on stuff, but it was based on the Lord working in and out of your ministry to enhance it. And that was the best wish list we got. Amen. Today, as we talk about foot washing, I think something that the reason why we don't do it as a church or look to do these things anymore is because we seem to forget when things was written. John is the only gospel that records the foot washing. And the reason why it's the only gospel that have foot washing is because it was the last gospel that was written. John wrote this as it was getting ready to turn the century. And I think it's very important that he put some emphasis on this great event. Now notice that John didn't mention, he's the one that don't mention the Lord's Supper. And the reason why it's not mentioned is by 90, 95 AD, the church was full and already representing itself in the Lord's Supper. But the church, he put in the scriptures that what Jesus did, and he placed a whole 20-something, what we put into words, it wasn't back then, but now it is. He used 20 verses to describe something that he felt that was important. But if you look at John, in his trueness, the book of John is different from the rest of the Gospels because John looks at Jesus from a spiritual aspect. John's Gospel highlights his spirituality. He highlights the spiritualness of what, was go what God had ushered in into the world. And it is through the spiritualness that John looked at things that God is able to take us into a deeper understanding of why we do what we do and what effects it has. Well, foot washing is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And see, I don't understand our mentality today. Everybody walks around and says, I'm not washing nobody's feet. Well, back then it was a custom because they walked in dirt and sand. And so coming into your house, 
the servants would wash your feet or they or the owner would wash your feet because they didn't want you to track all the dirt into their house. Women, that sound familiar? But Jesus used it to show us an example of what he commands leaders and servants to be like. This is not about trying to raise somebody above somebody. And this is not about belittling somebody. This is about raising and elevating God's ways into your life so that you will be able to transcend what God wants done. So in John 13, Jesus tells us why this is so important, but yet it's not important. He says, now we celebrate Passover. We celebrate Palm Sunday. Yeah. But we won't celebrate foot washing. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. But notice John doesn't even really emphasize the Lord's Supper. All he says is, after the supper was done, the devil showed up. And he had already touched Judas to go ahead and betray him. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Oh, dad, let me repeat that. He had come from God and now he's going to God. Oh, let me help you out. You came from God, and you on your way to God. <laughs> I might have church tonight. He rose from the supper and laid aside his garment and took a towel and girded itself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel which he had girded. Then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing? Why are you washing my feet? Now, Deacon Urban, this is where you come in. <laughs> These subtle changes that we don't want to take into consideration. Jesus answered him and said, What I'm doing, you don't understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Sound familiar, Sister Hughes? <laughs> and Jesus said to him, and he says, you will never wash. And Jesus answered, if I don't wash yours, you will not be a part of me. One of the reasons we're doing this is so that we can be a part of one another. And one of the reasons I don't mind doing it is so that I, we can be apart together. Because the reason is not based on me doing it, it's based on the instructions. Oh, y'all didn't hear that. It's based on the instructions 
of what God done said. Notice this, he says to Peter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but wash my hands and head. Oh, Peter said, baptize me. I need it redone. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but you are not all of you are clean. See, what he's referring to is Judas. I'm going to wash your feet. But just because I wash it don't mean you're going to be clean. Because Satan already done got to you. And repentance is not in you. So if you really want to learn how to be clean, it's not just the act of washing your feet. It's not just the act of dumping you in the water. It's not just the act of baptizing you. If you really want to be clean, you're going to have to get a repentant heart so you can be clean inside and out. So he knew he would be betrayed. And he said, not all of you were clean. <laughs> so when he washed their foot and taking the garment and sat down, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, you say well, for so am I. But if then I am your Lord and your teacher who have washed your feet, you are to wash one another's feet. If I'm your Lord and teacher, then if I did, then you should do it. If you are my example. And then what I love, he says, for I have given you an example that you should do as I has done. That's the same thing he said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Do as I have taught you. Most surely I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. For nor is he greater than anyone who sent him. For if you know these things, blessed are you if great men. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Notice he didn't say just because you know you bless. Just because you understand you bless. He said if you know them and do it, then you are blessed. Most folk want blessings, and all they do is know it, but they ain't about to do it. He said he didn't do it. I don't speak according to all of you, see, Judas. I know who I have chosen, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heels against me. And now I tell you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, that you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives 
Whomever I receive me. He who receives me, receives who has sent me. Amen. Jesus knew the time had come. But everything he did from now on was to prepare the church for what he has called it to do. He told the disciples that I'm showing you what I want you to do yes. when I'm gone. All right. John is over a hundred now. He's sitting on the island of Patmos and he's recollecting all that Jesus had done. How many of you realize and still recollect what Jesus has done in your life? How many of you are spending time reflecting and admiring all of the stuff Jesus has done in your life? John is sitting on an island. He's isolated from everybody. And he's in a prison, sitting there, not in a prison, but they put him on an island so he would shut up and John got the right. And he knew what he was writing would eventually get to the people. Uh -huh. And he knew that Jesus was saying, it's time for me to get ready to go. Satan think he done won. And it's time for him to do what he done been in charge to do. How many of you know that sometimes God lets Satan bother you? Because God allows Satan to do what he has to do. And see, like Job, you better be glad you got a hedge of protection that's around you. Because God ain't let him just take away everything. But every now and then, God will let him bother you for a little while. Just to stir you up and let you know that you still need a savior in your life. See the devil? Only can do what the devil can do. See, our problem is we think he keep coming up with new stuff. He only designed to do what he's allowed to do. See, he didn't create nothing new. God let him be who he is. And when he revealed his evil self, he's not no more evil. All he is is what he is. And whatever he can kill, steal, and destroy, that's what he's out to do. And the devil's dedicated to his job. Yes. He's willing to do all that he can do. If he can get you out of the will of God, if he can tempt you out of the will of God, if he can move you off of taking your eyes off of God, the devil is out to do his job. Now you want to give God credit when you want to give him credit. And you don't want to give the devil credit when he's supposed to have credit. Then the third devil is the same one that's sent in the scripture. The Judas is in this world is just as bad as Satan. See, the Judas is hanging around the church. They look like they're a disciple. They talk like they're a disciple. But deep down inside, that Judas is just waiting on that right time for devil to show up and give him permission to do what he want to do. You quit acting like Judas ain't in the church. He's around seeking who he can kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus said, Judas, 
did what he thought scriptures said he was going to do. I'm glad he wrote that. This is how sleep we are. The scriptures keep telling us this world is going to get worse. You're going to fall into false idols. You're going to fall into false adultery. You're going to keep worshiping the things of man. And you don't care what the scriptures say. Somehow you think you're immune to what God doesn't say. He said that the world is going to become a dominant part of your life. And those without Jesus and not trying to be with Jesus is going to fall into the temptation of the world. But how many of you wanted to be okay and think God is saying it's okay? All the Satan is saying is, where's your heart? What do you really value? Do you value Jesus more than this? Do you love Jesus more than you even love yourself? Do you enjoy and wish that this world would never end <clears throat> despite the suffering, the backbite, the greed and destruction. Are you satisfied with the Judas <clears throat> that hangs around with you every day? And let me tell you this about the church. Most of your best friends is your Judases. Amen. Because you don't want to make the, child, the, the disciples your friends. Right. You don't want to have nothing to do with Jesus' folk. Your best friends is Judas' folk. And the thing that makes it so bad is you know they Judas. And here's the sad part. Judas is changing you instead of you changing off. Jesus, when he was crucified and resurrected, he started a new community, and it's called the church. And we fellowship in a whole different way. See, going to clubs and partying and having a good time, they've been doing that since Adam and Eve. Every culture got that stuff in it. They always done had a good time. But how many of you got that when you're in a culture of a divine king living in a kingdom that is saying that you are my disciples and I've called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light and I want you to go and teach my ways and my precepts to a world that then faded away. How many of you are willing to say that Jesus is my Lord? Not just in Lord as L-O-R-D, but capital L. Capital O, capital R, capital D. See, the problem with the Bible, it don't talk about democracy. It talk about kingdom living. And the difference between us and them is we don't know how to live in a kingdom. Jesus never said we're going to vote on stuff. Jesus never said you. He said if I'm the Lord, then I'm your king. And you shall do what I didn't ask you to do. See, it takes faith to follow the unknown. It takes faith to trust in a resurrected God. 
It don't take no faith to do the stuff you can see. It don't take faith to do the things that you know you can do. See, we done got to the point that our wisdom is, if you can see it, you can do it. Well, my wisdom is, if I can't see it, and I got Jesus, I know I can do it. Because I don't know what I can see, but I know what he sees. And it is through my faith of following him that all things can be done. See, I don't want to see what I'm supposed to see, but I don't need to see. If I, don't, if I can see it, I don't need it. But what I can't see is when I need Jesus in my life. Washing feet is part of your spiritual journey. See, when you come and I put your feet back and I pour water over your feet, that's saying that you done came on a journey that is full of dirt and mud and mop and mud. Washing your feet is showing you where you done came from. And it's to demonstrate and exemplify how much love and humility that God want to put in your life. And it's not about pride or selfishness. It's about what he done called the church to do. He said fellowship and love. Come together in love. And do this because I said when you did the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. If you look at the scripture, he said do this because this is my example to you. If you can take communion, you can get your foot washed. But that's a command that God then gave. He said, I done prepared a table for you. And on the cross, I done laid aside my garment and my blood. And I even laid down my spirit. And in this water is living water that you don't have to do again because I'm the upspring that's in you. Peter objected. Jesus got him straight. When you repent, you done got to change your mind. Peter changed his mind when he said, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Watch all of me. I'm sorry that I misunderstood. I spoke too soon when I didn't want you to wash my feet. I overreacted by what I was saying. But now that I know what you mean and what you're trying to do, you wash me from head to toe. You take me and make me now a clean vessel. But don't just wash me on the outside. Wash me on the inside. So that I can become what you done called me to do. I might be impulsive. I might not do it right. I might not say the right stuff. But Peter understood one thing. My mouth might be a little wrong. My head may be screwed on a little backwards. But I can tell you my heart is right with Jesus. And when I need to be right, I know right where to go. So I'm here to tell you that even though the church don't practice it, American churches don't practice it. Churches across the world still practice it. But American churches is too good to practice it. But God said, 
This opportunity is to wash our brothers and sisters' feet. And if we don't wash your feet, we can wash you with love. And we can love you through it all. Servanthood is the willingness to serve somebody else and have an impact in their lives. And foot washing may be a form of humility, but humility is a form of godliness. And it is through godliness that we can be able to do what Christ has called us to do. And we can now say that yes, we are blessed, but the best blessing is not what you know, not what you think, and not how you interpret it. The blessing is, did you do what I asked you to do according to the scriptures? And when we can answer that, God shines down and says, amen, amen, and amen. Let me say this before I close. It just, I do know. The greatest people in heaven is not going to be the people you look at and admire. The greatest people in heaven is going to be those that did what God told them to do and you never knew their name. Those are the ones that's going to be first because they were last. But those that is first is the ones that's going to be last. Make me last so I can be first. A servant is always willing to put others before themselves. That's the Christian walk. That's the Christian life. That's called Christian love. And I might not never know your name, but I was here to help somebody. So as we prepare, let's, let's prepare with a repentant heart, a repentant mind. And we're going to do two things that he done told us to do. You're going to take communion because he said, do this as often as you do it. Do it in remembrance of me. Then, when we wash your feet, we're going to wash it so that you can say, Lord, I am now clean. Not just on my feet, not just on my body, but I'm clean inside and out because you have forgiven me for all of my trespasses and all my sins. And I can walk from this day forward in the newness of who I am. It may not last long, but in a touch of a moment, I know I'm clean, and I'm clean indeed. Amen. 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 Can you give us a congregation song? For all that is going to have the foot washing, can you please just take your right shoe and sock off? And we're going to go in this order in the beginning. First, we're going to have Reverend um, Chloe. 
Then Deacon Hodges, Deacon Kelly, uh, Charles. You can have 